The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. You're going to have 100 million people listen to your podcast, but then all you've got to do is get them to subscribe to your email list and you'll be a squillionaire by Christmas. That's what they said. That's what we thought, Rob, wasn't it? When we started our first podcast, we thought... Yeah, well, and how- it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Like It was like, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get people from listeners and liking us and thinking we're quite nice to being on our email list and we can make sales to them, right? Yeah, indeed. Okay, so he ate nine Kit Kats just yesterday. It's hypnotist Robert Temple. And he sneezes uncontrollably when he gets stressed like ten times in a row. It's the mind reader, Kennedy. Let's kick off the show. Actually, listeners to the show will realise we recently updated the format of the show, so we are slightly better at telling people about how to get on our list, right? So we're quite proud of ourselves. But I just realised we're about to get our asses kicked by Charlie Valor today. friends we are here every single week helping course creators coaches and membership site owners like you make email marketing way less of a numbers game and put the odds back in your favor with some harder hitting higher converting psychology driven email marketing hey it's rob and kennedy hello the email marketing heroes. And like we said, we've got Charlie Valor here this week to talk about the right way to move podcast listeners into subscribers. Now, before we get into that, we would love to share something with you that will really help you to get those new subscribers who haven't bought anything yet, or those pesky ones who've been loitering around without giving you any cash and turn them into customers in a really cool way. And it's just by running a flash sale, a four or five day campaign where you give them something cool at a discount or with a bonus. And we want to give you all of the emails so that you just fill in the blanks, send out those emails and start start making more sales from those new subscribers. So if you want to get the full campaign, just download it for free. Head over to theemailmarketingshow.com forward slash flash sale. That's theemailmarketingshow.com forward slash flash sale. There you go. It's lovely. I hope you enjoy that. Okay, Rob, tell us about our wonderful guest today. Yes, so Charlie Valor is here, and uh, well, I've got three potential facts about Charlie. The reason I say potential facts is that two of them are absolute lies, I hope. And so I'm going to read them out to you now, Kennedy, and your job is simply to guess which one of these is true. All right. So Charlie, poker face, and uh, don't He's give anything away. the way Kennedy, through it, I can see. Kennedy, Kennedy, put your blindfold back on. Right, okay, here we go. <laughs> so number one, Charlie either did four bungee jumps in a year, Bloody hell. or was the lead guitarist in a heavy metal band or went vegetarian for one year, but then went back to eating chicken? Oh, see, I, it's de- it's not the first one, but you've, you've gotten better at this, Rob. Those last two are good because we know, you know, Charlie and us, we're quite good friends and I can imagine him, would he be a vegetarian for a bit and then now like chicken? But I can imagine him being in a, in a rock band, like a heavy, metal-y, rocky band, I can imagine. Charlie, just just turn upside down for a minute so you can imagine you're doing a bungee jump. That might help. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, he was the, you said guitarist, right? Yeah. Um, 
I think he was the guitarist in a in a in a band. Charlie, which one of those is true? Correct. I was the lead yes! guitarist in a heavy metal band. There you go. Oh, I continue I'm- to get these right. I don't know how I'm doing it. <laughs> mind reader you're cheating that's why mind reader nailed it absolutely nailed it hey charlie welcome to the show how's it going uh sensational very excited to be here and uh, once again thank you for having me on oh this is a real <laughs> pleasure it's a real pleasure so you have a phenomenally successful agency producing podcasts which means you get to not only see and hear and and be observant of podcasts but you get to be involved in the strategic growth of a lot of those podcasts which means do you know a lot of stuff that you've tried that hasn't worked and you've seen some stuff that really does work? And one of the big keys really is getting people from being a listener into being in our world as a subscriber. And is that a thing that you think is viable these days? Can we genuinely get people to move from being in their car, running at the gym where they don't have a device in their hand? It seems like a big leap and we've always thought, ooh, that's quite difficult to get people to go from listening to being on your list. I mean, is it possible? Are we barking up the wrong tree? Well, I almost think about it in a different way. When you've mentioned some clear obstacles, like, you know, someone's at the gym or running, I think of it if someone gets on your list with those obstacles, they're probably someone you would want on your list. Huh. This isn't some clickbait, uh, just join <laughs> anything. This is someone who actually wants to hear from you. So I kind of look at this in the reverse and say, maybe this is the perfect intentional obstacle. Maybe this is what we should be thinking about quality over quantity. Wow. So it's almost like, hey, do you want to be on my list? Run a marathon first, please. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but can you imagine if you did that, just how good your list would be? It might be small, but you'd have some dedicated people. You'd have some very dedicated people. Okay. So what we need to do is make a really long URL to give them. And if they can remember it, <laughs> they deserve to be on your list. Uh, we can go through the, um, there are definitely some ways you can make it easier. But I do to this day find it absolutely fascinating when someone does have a podcast and yet they will make the URL almost impossible to spell or words people commonly misspell or have a hard URL to kind of get to. So there are some things you can do to make it harder than it should be. Yeah, like, you know, uh, valamedia.com slash category slash 2020 slash uh, slash podcast slash the new one. Just remember that handy (laughs) URL. (laughs) I think you just nailed it. That's our latest resource. Uh, head there right now. <laughs> That's amazing. So we've got people listening to our, to our podcast. First of all, shall we talk about when during a show we should be mentioning this? And then we can maybe go into some, some, some ideas of offers and how that all works. But when's the right time in a show? Is that too early? Is that too late? So it's really interesting. I'll I'll kind of frame this up first and then we'll go to that in itself. Like we, as you mentioned, manage a lot of shows. And then I also have my own show, which gives me this really kind of unique view on podcasting. Now, overwhelmingly, I can see this as a universal law of podcasts that email is actually where most of the sales made. So for every show we we deal with um, or work with, more sales are made from people that come from the podcast onto the email list and convert from there than directly on the show. So it's kind of like these are just like hand in hand. They work in such synergy. So I think it's a huge mistake in general to kind of ignore email if you have a podcast. So it, it has to be a part of the strategy, in my opinion. I'll, I'll blatantly call it that it's a must do if you have a podcast. You're kind wow. of wasting a lot of your time. Um, the second thing from there is like, well, bridging that gap and knowing the importance of it 
the question becomes like, how, what, what are the most effective ways to do it? Or what are the ways you can do it? Now I had this um, really interesting insight when I was looking at our data is that basically after 30 minutes, the drop off rate of people listening becomes quite intense. And I almost want you to like imagine this in your head is that from the start of the show, you've got the most amount of people listening to a podcast. And then minute by minute, there's a drop off rate that gets intense the longer the podcast goes. So hugely what we see is like a really common mistake is that people will only put a like little call to action at the end of the podcast and they will have missed the opportunity when people are most engaged or most involved with the most people are there. So if your podcast goes for an hour and from 30 minutes onwards, your drop off rate has been falling off a cliff. It's while people may have gotten a lot of value from your podcast, they've only actually heard from you. Um, or very few people have heard from you at the end there. So on that approach, we tried something different that just managed to work really well is that we intentionally put a call to action at the start of the episode, in the intro to the episode. So I think if you're a podcaster wanting to bring more people across on your email with a direct call to action, part one or step one is definitely including um, that in the intro to the show and then at the end of the show itself. That's really interesting. So like bookend the show, say, because of course the people at the end, by the same um, token that we mentioned before of the people being really committed, if they make it to the end of your show, those people who made it to the end are also your most committed people. So you, you do want to remind those people because they heard you at the beginning, but they're like, okay, but I really want to listen to the episode. So I've heard that. I've planted that seed. Now I've heard the rest of the episode. And now, oh yeah, now because I made it at the end, I want to get more of this. That's really interesting. So, so just to like this as well, right? When someone, I've, I mean, I'm going to lift up my phone. Don't worry, it's on silent. It's not going to ring or anything. But it's like when I'm looking for a podcast or I've just hit play, right? This device is still in my hand for a portion of time. So if I want someone to take an action, ideally I want them to still have the device in their hand. I don't want them to be mid-transport or doing things where this might not be available to them. So I think you just increase the chances of someone uh, subscribing or making that jump if you do it earlier in the episode itself. And then the second thing is uh, most direct response marketers, myself included, think of a lot of things of like, oh, the CTA is here or the call to action is here. When in podcasting, you know, this might be the fifth episode someone's listened to. So maybe they've wanted something and that call to action is just, oh, I wanted to get that thing again. So it's a continual reminder system, which I think makes it important as well. I'm interested just to clarify, when you said that you put the call to action at the beginning in the intros, do you mean like in the like the the voiceover type intro at the beginning? Because I have heard that before. Or are you literally talking about your opening bit of chat? Yeah, so I structure my podcast in a in a very particular way. Um, personally, I don't like to have just a pre-recorded intro with some uh, a voiceover and music that's run every week with the same opt-in because I feel like people get banner blindness towards that. I feel like that anyone who's listened to your show for a duration of time, as soon as that mix, music kicks in, um, they go mind numb. They're not actually listening for anything. So the way I structure my podcasts is that we have a separately recorded intro for every episode. So after I record an episode with a guest or myself, after it, I will make an intro that kind of encapsulates what that episode is about. And you've got to do it after because you may not know what's in the podcast itself. And then uh, in that intro, I'm very much focused on one, selling the podcast. I want to sell the idea on why someone should listen to this podcast and how it's going to be good for them. And then I also want to include a call to action on how they can get on our email list or pick up a resource or a guide or take that next step with us to enhance the experience they're having with our show. 
And would you say a good time to put that... You mentioned subscribe. It's something that Rob and I talk about a lot is... Should we, when should you say, hey, subscribe to the podcast? In fact, a thought we just had yesterday in a discussion on our strategy day was, do we, should we even say subscribe? Because if people are listening to podcasts, uh, do they know that's how it works? And therefore, is that just another call to action to muddy the water? What do you think about asking people to subscribe to a show? It's funny, we had a conversation not long ago about just how self-interested people are. And that really, it's like the more you act within someone's self-interest, the more they tend to behave in a way you would like them to behave. So I've moved to the way towards the idea of that in my intro, I want to actually spend more time on thinking about making a call to action that's actually within their benefit, not just asking them to subscribe to the show, but more telling them, hey, this is where you can get this thing to help you. So there's a framework here on how to construct the best podcast intro you've ever had. Um, you should head over to Bella Media slash resources and write on that page. There's that perfect framework. And I've just found out that specific call to actions that are in their interest rather than general subscribe can be a really great way to kind of uh, invoke action, I think, in a much stronger way. That's really interesting. Okay, so we're gonna. So now we know when we can, we can do these call to actions, and we should do it twice in a show. I'm gonna just shoehorn one in towards the end of this show now. So I'm gonna write some notes in the background. Um, but change it on the fly. Why not? But now, but what we need to now know is what are the kind of things that are actually gonna be interesting? Because we've heard them all. We've heard cheat sheets and checklists. We've heard frameworks. I've heard fill in the blanks. I mean, obviously, there's a place for all of them. If you do most of them enough, it's it's gonna be going to have some effect. But what, what's the key to designing a really good opt-in bribe, if we want to call it that, a lead magnet that specifically appeals to people who are listening? Really good question. I like that one as well. And I just want to cover one more thing quickly here is that we had a show that was only doing a call to action at the end. And just by adding one at the start, not changing the call to action, but just by adding it to the start, we saw about a 30% increase on people coming through. Wow. So like that's that's how important it is yeah. um, as a difference. So I would kind of go like just for a jump like that, that's a little easy win. Mm. But to your next point, it kind of becomes, well, what's the best way to like encourage people to make this jump or what do we design uh, from there? So I look at this in a bit of a way. And again, I'm very particular on like how I like my structure. I think everyone who has a podcast should have a resources page. Um, I really think you want to house these under uh, one comfortable URL that's easy to call out for obvious reasons that we've kind of giggled about before. So like we have Valor Media slash resources and then everything we make is housed on that page. So that way it's the same evergreen URL always being promoted where people can uh, get a variety of things. Then the second thing I kind of look at from there is when it comes to uh, designing something that's great for your audience, I really like simple meets effective is where I start. I think the worst thing you can do is offer someone like a six hours training because then they have to spend six hours going through it. So like the motivation uh, isn't necessarily there. So as you mentioned, probably some of the ones I really like these days, uh, templates and frameworks, I find to work really well. Case studies, I find to work really well. has been another one that's been a really good performer across our shows. Um, and then I suppose you would say like deeper reviews or guides have also done really well. Let's dig a little deeper into how you present a case study as something that somebody would want to opt in for then. So how do you sort of frame that in a way that's not just, hey, come and watch us show off for a minute about how good we are? 
<laughs> That's a really good question. Um, all right, so let's go into the need. If I'd, uh, let's say I'd just spent some time and I'd built an awesome uh, case study, I might actually make a podcast episode on the case study itself. Right. So the whole episode would be seeding to the idea of why someone would want to watch this case study. And I think the key to a really good case study is being able to, for your audience to go, this is me now in the before, and I want to be that person after. And the case study itself is that, for example, in a podcast, it's a very audio uh, environment. So if you're going to do the audio version of that, the video component or a well-documented component with visuals would be the reason to go and get that next part is because maybe there's things I can't encapsulate uh, in an audio podcast that I could on a resource like that. It's like that, that this traditional um, content upgrade, isn't it? Like it's, you've got this bit and now let's expand on that exact piece of content. I love that. So... Yeah, Rob, are we going to say it's something? In, it's interesting. Looking at your resources page as we're chatting, there's obviously a few different resources on there, four or five resources. How do you start to mix those up in terms of which one you're going to mention, as in which one you're going to seed in the actual podcast episode itself? Because again, you want to get over that blindness of it being the same thing every week. I guess, do you like alternate or do you do one for a while and then swap? So this is like, I'm really happy you picked this up, right? So kind of bringing this together, when you just promote the same thing, it loses its effectiveness, especially on that audio jingle. Like we really tune out. Banner blindness is a real thing if you come from direct marketer world. Um, so what I do is I generally theme it. So I will try something for a month, see how it performs, and then I'll actually change it up. I'll try something new. And I'm very much looking for like what's performing the best or bringing people over the best so I can do more of it or avoid topics that aren't necessarily uh, that good. So, and then on the page itself, I actually structure it based on the ones that have performed the best or worst. And then very, very interestingly, as people come onto my list, no one grabs one <laughs> ever. <laughs> so again, one of the reasons why we like having that resource page with multiple things is it's really identifying and helping us kind of segment what people are into and identify those topics we'd want to do more of. That is absolutely flipping massive, isn't it? Like, hey, go check out this one resource. They get there. And I suppose the counter the counter concern for that for some people might be, well, I'm going to get them there. Then they're going to get overwhelmed because they won't be able to see the thing immediately. You know, the traditional opt-in page has one offer, one thing, give us your email address and get out of here. Whereas what you're saying is get them there to try and find the resource. But I suppose it's being framed as a resource page. So it makes sense that they might expect more than just that one resource. So they're, And it also, what's really nice about sending people to a resource page is it doesn't sound like an opt-in page. It sounds like a very open, this is where we list lots of links to resources. So it's got a really right. low barrier, hasn't it, Rob? Yeah. And when you get there, I mean, I'm just looking at Charlie's to, to steal it later, but when you get there, um, the buttons, the buttons do, could not look less like you're just going to click the button and the thing's going to download. So once they've made, you know, we know the idea of commitment and consistency. Once they've made that decision that I want that thing enough, I'm going to go to the page and, oh, I can just click this button and download it. The the ability to then get that two-step opt-in converting is going to be, it's going to be massive. One of the things I'm really interested in, because this is a discussion that we have had and we aren't very good at it, as you're going to find out later in the episode. And that is when you have a guest <laughs> really, really Build the show up there, Rob. Thank you, dear listener. We respect you and love you. <laughs> Might as well be honest. <laughs> when you have a guest episode, one of the problems is yes. 
And thank you very much, Derek Smith. You've been excellent. Where can people go to find out more about you? Oh, they can go to DerekSmithsWebsite.com. Fantastic. Go and check out DerekSmithsWebsite.com. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us and give us, give us your email address and we'll sell you things, then you can go to there. And it almost feels a little bit like you might be shitting on the guest because they've just done this amazing thing and you can't, you can't say thank you quickly enough and then quickly handbrake turn into talking about you and sending them to your stuff again. How do you make that balance so that it's, it's elegant? Well, now we're talking about a bit of pod hacking stuff, which I'm kind of interested in. Um, So you'll notice that I said earlier that I record my intro separately. So I actually never record my intro with the guest on the show uh, ever. So it's always just me face to camera um, recording it. So the intro is all mine. I can make it anything I want um, without any kind of interjection where the end is a much lighter call to action. And I'll often, in, in fact, do a call to action for the guest. So if the guest has got something awesome that's related to this episode that's going to help my audience do something, what is it, better, faster, uh, or more cheaply, like I want to push my audience to once there because I always want to act within their interest. I think that's the key. But we'll just go into one from here. Um, a little story here is like I had quite a high caliber guest on the podcast who I knew would draw names, like I knew it would be one that promoted well. And I knew that if I put my intro call to action in line with what the guest spoke about, that it would likely do well. So talk about an example here. Let's say I had a a guest on and they were going to be like, you know, uh, we're going to talk about podcast titles. So the guest podcast titles, I might actually make a framework or something related to podcast titles that we made. That's an opt-in that's related to the same topic as the episode itself. So it's a really powerful way to kind of leverage your guest topic and their expertise to bring into an alignment, uh, something that would make someone come to that resources page. So I think you can do some really interesting things in promoting your own stuff or promoting things that are relevant to your audience before the episode actually starts. So that type of separation kind of enables us to make those call to actions early on. So you would you do all your personal call to actions early in the show and then the end of the show, if you're going to mention it, it's going to be a sort of lighthearted thing, but probably you would steer away from it and let the, let the end of the show be the guest. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, maybe another approach, I'm just literally throwing this idea around that we sort of talked about yesterday in, in our strategy session, was at the end of when you finish talking to the guests, you can have like a little like a little chime or a little, a, little, a little break of some description that signifies that's the end of the interview, and now you're back talking to Robin Kennedy in this case, which sort of lets people know that, that the, the guest was almost like a section of the show, albeit the main piece of meat. What do you think about that idea? Or do you think that might be a little bit disrespectful? Yeah, so... I don't think, I think there's a massive bias in podcasting. I do. I I really think that some of the earlier podcasters were successful with interviews and everyone just went, you know what, this is what it is. So a podcast, it just must be an interview. Um, And I think there's a huge missed opportunity and some people are kind of twigging onto this already that you can literally do an episode, a solo episode. You can record your own content and it can be with yourself or you can make a panel um, or you can do a show, which more to your point from here has segments just like you would see on the news or on TV itself, where it's like maybe the guest part of the episode is only 15 minutes, but then there's a 15-minute episode that was um, done after. Now, one of our uh, clients, I can't take credit for this. I wish I did, but I think it's really cool. After the episode would actually make a five-minute summary and you could download her summary of the guest's interview on oh, the page. That's great. Now, I think that's a great idea if someone's got the time and intent to do it. It can and be a really powerful way to kind of make a content upgrade. Mm-hmm. 
That's I really love nice. that. Download the five-minute summary. I love it. Let's go to the next section. Talking of sections. That was a nice segue there. Thanks, Charlie. Let's go into... Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. A lovely subject line of the week from you, please, Charlie. What have you got for us? So this is was my most successful uh, subject line. It was, I regret spending 30 minutes listening to your podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's brilliant. Okay, give us some context. Who the hell do you send that to? So um I, I review a lot of podcasts and I can only imagine for you guys that actually understand email. Like you must get emails all the time and you're just like, oh, like, why did you do this? This is like you're not an email marketer, you're a butcher. Um <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I do a lot of podcast reviews and um, there was a podcast that I uh, listened to and like I was actually like in outrage. I, I, it's not often I am angry after listening to a podcast. So that just came out of me and I wrote this uh, email basically dissecting why I regretted it so much. And I just sent this to my entire list from the premise of like, don't do this. It's like you're an oxygen thief if you're doing this. Like you are stealing people's time. It was that bad. Um, what was so hilarious on the back of that though was that I sent that to the list and the amount of people who thought it was them oh, shit. was crazy. So I've never had so many replies and kind of reach outs from people going, was this me? And I realized on the back of this that I was actually onto something. So this subject line actually turned into a discovery of like, um, how all podcasters are very, very self-conscious of their content and it opened up a whole sphere. But that was the subject line. I, I mean, and loads of podcasts that you can help. Absolutely. I love it. That's this week's subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Now, Charlie, if people want to find out more about you, maybe grab some resources, you know, tell us, is there somewhere where they can go and do that? Where, where should people go and find out more about you? I might have a page for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, joking. So uh, Valor Media slash resources. We have all our podcasting guides and frameworks up on that one. And then uh, Valor Media slash podcast. You can tune into the podcast itself, the business of podcasting. We talk all about a lot of the stuff related to how to make a podcast great. And it is great. I mean, it's one of my favorite shows. I, I do tune in and it's how many times is it twice a week or once a week you, you release? I can never remember what your schedule is. Just once a week, it I do my show. Just, yeah, I love it. I love it. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much, Charlie, for being on the show. Absolutely love it. If you haven't already, make sure you smash the subscribe button to continue listening to this. And we've got another great guest another couple of weeks' time. Robert, I'll be back next week for another bit of blather. Say goodbye, Robert. Goodbye. The email marketing show. I, uh, I avoided the obvious joke. I thought you did. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. Marketing it's not like you. Show.